Welcome back, everybody. We're here for another exciting Red X interview with our top prospectors on how they generate business consistently and predictably using their systems, tools, our products, services, and, uh, of course, taking the right mindset and putting it all into one place. And so I'm here with Zach Zaleski from what's probably a beautiful day in Denver, Colorado, to share with you his insight into a particular lead, a lead type, you may not have heard before. And uh, we're here to explore uh, the ins and outs of what he does, how he does it, and uh, to learn a little bit about for rent by owner leads. And so, Zach, thanks so much for taking time out of your day to spend here with us at Red X and to share with the, the larger community of prospectors out there. Yeah, sure thing. Happy to be here. Thank you. So, um, you know, you and I had a little bit of a chat before we got on the call, just so uh, you knew what to expect and uh, for us to get ready for things. And uh, I, I tend to start most calls with uh, a little bit about you and then very specifically about the performance in your business, because I think why waste anybody's time in listening to somebody who may or may not know what they're doing? And there's probably no better way to really quickly and uh, effectively look at uh, and understand if someone's having success at what they do by asking them, what is the success you're, you're, you're having at what you're doing? And so if you could, first couple of questions here is how long have you been in real estate? How long have you been yeah. prospecting? And uh, give us a little idea about uh, the growth you've experienced and the numbers that you're generating from either a transactions perspective or even uh, a GCI perspective. Sure. So um, I started in real estate in 2005 as an appraiser. Um, I got my real estate license in 2009 and um, really made the transition to being a real estate agent full-time in, um, in end of 2010, beginning of 2011 um, is when, when that happened. Um, in terms of consistently prospecting, um, I've been doing that to a bunch of different, for a bunch of different lead types for about two and a half years now. Um, in terms of my numbers, um, last year, um, Last year wasn't great. We had a, uh, I had a bunch of turnover with staff and stuff like that, so I only did about mm. 14 million in volume um, total for, for last year. The year before that, um, we did just over 18 million, um, and this year uh, our goal is to do 30 million. Um, and we are, let's see, where are we so far this year? We're at about, um, we're about 2.7. 2.8 million, somewhere right around there, hmm. uh, closed as of today, this year. You know, those numbers are phenomenal by almost every single measure of uh, sales performance when you compare it to the average real estate agent and the average prospector. And so I know you have higher standards uh, for yourself than anybody else is going to. And so, um, you know, it's always interesting to hear how you kind of uh, – have a little bit of a, a reluctancy in sharing your numbers, yet I think many people listening to this would be like, what? Yes, please, I'll take half of that. Um, yeah, so, right, right. <laughs> what does that translate into as far as uh, GCI when you, when you, you know, give us a range, you know, like sure, last year to yeah. this year, what does that look like? Because like you said, you know, you're doing some restructuring, you've taken a hit, and so that shouldn't necessarily mm -hmm. be a, 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 a 
a final judgment in some people's minds on, well, it's just this. So, yeah, help us understand that. Yeah. So this year, with with about thirty million in volume, we're looking to do about seven hundred seventy thousand in GCI and have um, about two hundred twenty five thousand in net profit at the end of the year. Um, so that's the the objective um, for this year. Last year, um, we were only profitable about twenty five thousand, and that was off of um, I want to say probably about. 300,000 in GCI, um, mm -hmm. and then the year before that, uh, 2015, I guess it would be, um, about 370 or so in GCI, mm -hmm. and um, we'll see, we were about 75,000 profitable uh, that year, so um, I, I tend to run kind of a tight ship. It's um, it's really me as the lead agent, and then I have um, an ISA who's on the phone all day, uh, and then I have my assistant, uh, Kristen, who's not even full-time, and then I have a contract out to a transaction manager who, who handles all of our buyers and sellers when they go under contract. And i got a couple guys who run signs around and do showings and things like that, um, and they're all on a uh, as needed contractual kind of basis, not full time. Yeah. So um, there are variable costs, not a fixed cost. It sounds like exactly. Yeah. Right. Great. So, and last year I had tried. You know, I had a buyer's agent and I hired a listing specialist, and that kind of blew up and, and slowed things down a little bit. Um, so I'm, I'm doing a lot of work right now, but um, hopefully not for too much longer. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully uh, you find the right people because uh, well, that, that's one thing I've seen across most companies, whether it's small or large. Um, you know, just you got to get the right people. That's just the, yeah. the people yeah. equation is always the most difficult for companies. And so, you know, yeah. uh, thanks for taking us through the, the numbers and uh, the structure and um, kind of the future of what you're doing. And so, um, like I said, you scored extremely high on our uh, survey slash uh, assessment process, and we saw that especially you had uh, a unique characteristic of uh, why a lot of people are listening today to this, which is uh, the for rent by owner leads, which are um, a special class of leads that um, we're going to spend some time talking about, the majority of our time today talking about. And uh, before getting into that, I think it might be helpful for you to help us understand, maybe define what is a what is a for rent by owner lead. If we've never mm -hmm. if you've never heard about that, what is it, and why why even pay any attention to it whatsoever? Sure. So a for rent by owner lead is um, an individual who owns a rental property and is trying to get it rented on their own, as opposed to going through a property management company. So. A lot of times people uh, put ads for that on Zillow or on Craigslist, just like they do if they were a for sale by owner. Um, so that's the general idea of, of what they are. Um, you know, why I think they're important is I, you know, a lot of my past um, transactions have been with investors. I hooked him with an investor pretty early, and I've done a lot of uh, repeat business with him, buying and selling because he's a flipper. Um, I've got another client that I connected with um, uh, probably about a year and a half ago, um, mm -hmm. who at one point owned 100 rental properties. Um, wow. 
Unfortunately, when I connected with her, she was down to about 15 or so. Um, mm. But um, I think that's one of the huge things for me about the Ferempi owners is the potential to do many multiple deals um, with oh. these people. Um, so it's it's not just a one-off kind of transaction. You often find people that own, you know, three, four, five, half a dozen uh, properties. That makes a whole lot of sense. It's kind of like why build – well, I mean, when you have your options and choices of building a relationship and rapport with someone who you're going to do business with, compared to other lead types where the chance – like they say, what is it? I'm, I don't know if this is the exact number. Once every seven years, someone becomes yeah. a potential client. Uh, and they buy or sell one home or one home. They buy, sell one home and buy one home. So maybe you got two transaction sides. Um, right. sounds like yeah. you're, you're, you put you, it puts you in a position to have a longer term repeat sustainable business. And, uh, and, uh, these people are always looking for solid people who know what they're doing above and beyond the average real estate agent. So I feel like this, the way you describe it is, uh, almost a, uh, a side entrance into the investor market. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it was um, kind of by happenstance for me. I, you know, like I said, some of the people that I started working with just through other lead sources, my database primarily, I kind of stumbled into the investor world. But I feel like this is a great way to, um, you know, really get in there cold, so to speak. Um, mm. If you don't have pre-existing relationships with people like that, yeah, that's exciting to hear. I love learning new things, and um, that's definitely something a perspective I clearly and previously didn't know until you shared it with us. And so, um, let me just probe a little bit more before we kind of jump into kind of the next section that you and I talked about before we got started here, and I'll explain to everybody else what those are as well. Kind of our table of contents for the rest of the time we spend today is um, before jumping into that. The the opportunity, I just want to make sure I'm stating this correctly, and if maybe fill in anywhere else where I'm leaving it out, is for rent-by owners, as you said, are, uh, an side, or as I said, you helped me understand, a side door into the investor market. And if you're trying to get in cold, uh, the opportunity is multiple transactions from uh, a single person. And um, is are there are there any other characteristics um about this lead type that um, I would say attracted you to it and you've discovered are uh, is unique unto itself in comparison to all the other lead types that you've experienced, you've worked with? Well, I, I mean, I think that's the primary difference is that you're, um, you know, uh, connecting with people that you have the opportunity to do multiple transactions with. I think the other thing that I found um, that me and, and my ISA have found through prospecting is that um, these people aren't really being contacted the way that uh, expired and for sale by owner leads are, which just get hammered with phone calls um, as soon mm -hmm. as they're expired or for sale by owner. Um, so the calls tend to be much more um, uh, congenial, I guess, is a, is yeah. a good word. Um, yeah, you know, the, people hanging up on you all the time, and you really I was, have. I was about to, I guess, like the the question that you just put in my mind, or the word was like, kind of like, uh, if you had to describe for sale by owners, if you had to describe expireds, and you had to describe for rent by owners, uh, mm. each with one or two words that describe the temperament 
of the call. Right. How, what would you say the temperament of each one of those is? I would say for sale by owners are combative. Uh, I would say expired are angry. And um, I would say for rent by owners are surprised. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I think that's a great little, uh, I guess you can call it a bookmark or a carrot to dangle for later because I'm going to jump into the table of contents here, the outline for the rest of our call. And one of those things hopefully we get to and um, is uh, kind of a little mock session where you go through your script or your approach of conversation so we can actually hear that temperament in action. So um, we're going to get there. Uh, I just would like to uh, give everybody else kind of an overview of what's coming up next on our call right now on our interview. And so um, we spend a lot of time researching uh, what the top prospectors, what Red X's top prospectors are doing and how they're doing it. And we find similarities and we find differences and we try to understand and explain so people can do the things that are similar because those seem to be the grounding things that uh, the kind of holy grail of uh, real estate and prospecting is this thing called predictability and consistency and these similar things that I'm about to ask you about um, are the things that provide that foundational um, those foundational systems and processes that de deliver that consistency and predictability and it's, it's funny enough is uh, it's just really a matter of showing up and doing the, the, something consistently and predictably every day, and that is the secret behind consistency and predictability. And so uh, I'd like to ask you and go into uh, what we're going to talk about are the time blocks in the routine that you have put together to support your goals and talk about your goals. And then inside of that time block, uh, there's something that we've noticed and we call the lead stack. And every top prospector has a lead stack, whether they consciously or describe it that way or not. And it's just really the uh, the lead type, so like expireds, for sale by owners, for rent by owners, uh, geo leads, pre-foreclosures, um, you know, and, uh, you know, whatever else they, they have. And they, they order them in a, in, a, in a particular way. And then within each one, they have a kind of a priority within those. So maybe they'll call the first, uh, their freshest expireds, then they'll call their, um, you know, pre last week's expired. There's there's some there's some sort of like lead stack, and they do it for a reason. They figured out that's what's worked for them and the results. And so I always like to explore uh, the time block, which is mm -hmm. what do you do when you get up, and what is the flow, and how does that all seem to be geared towards pro uh, providing the right mental and I would say physical. Um, engagement with the moment before you get on the call and then you jump into your lead stack which is uh that and then what happens afterwards after you book appointments and so yeah basically a verbal overview and walkthrough of your calendar and uh, the consistency that you give yourself through that and the predictability to help get to 15 or 30 million dollars in sales by the way and then uh, once we get yeah. through that, we're going to have a, a pretty good understanding of what your lease stack and time block looks like. And then I really would like to dive more into the opportunity in for rent by owners, um, the pain or the lack of pain, like what makes these uh, more difficult to work in certain ways, what makes them easier to work in certain ways, and the journey that you took to arrive at this is something that is perfect for your business and why it's important. And then uh, kind of the last two steps in our conversation today, our last two parts, is going to be going into the actual call and any clever phrases or even just mon like we've talked about before, before the call, was uh, there's some mundane things that if you just do them, they don't have to be exciting. They just produce results, and that's okay. It doesn't have to be fireworks. It can just be this. 
And then finally, any ways uh, or any recommendations you would have for um, the audience out there listening to this on what to look for or how to evaluate a, a service or a uh, way to procure and get for rent buying. And then that should take us through the rest of our call today. Okay. So. Yeah. So you want me to, I can dive in kind of with, uh, with our time blocking and what our schedule looks like each day? That would be perfect. And, uh, if I could just, I'll plant a seed. And like I said, I become a very good listener once, once we get the uh, show on the road. And I think we're on the road with it right now. And so, uh, I guess one thing we like to talk about here are annual goals, which is a common, um, common trait amongst our top prospectors. They understand what they're going after. They know how to break that down into daily goals, and uh, they have some guiding metrics that help them understand how many calls they need to make and how many contacts and or conversations they need to make. And then, you know, that's kind of uh, the first place that we could start, and then they structure their day. So could you start off with that? Yeah, I I guess I, I would say I don't break it down to the um, – to the minutia of exactly how many calls we need to make every day and um, you know every week and that kind of thing. Um, I have it a little bit broader. I know uh, basically we have it structured in terms of um, our volume. What does our volume need to be each month? Um, and you know we basically have our day time blocked from nine to noon is when we're on lockdown and when we're in um, in lead gen time and. We find that when we do that consistently, we, you know, we generally speaking hit our goals. Um, uh, so I, I'm not uh, maybe as in the weeds as some people are, but I am mm-hmm. very strict about the, the nine to noon time blocking, uh, you know, schedule that we have. You know, that's that's a, you know, I, I feel like um, that that's a great approach. Um, that uh, you don't have to, again, be so detailed-oriented. You're kind of stressing yourself out. And, you know, for some people, they like having, like, the, the, the down-to-the-wire the number and uh, hitting that, and other, mm-hmm. others like to kind of have a more of a flexibility. And, you know, tracking mm-hmm. volume is definitely uh, one of those. And uh, for those who are listening to this, I, I haven't pointed this out yet, but we tend to have two different types of audiences. We have people who are just getting into prospecting, and they don't really have expectations set on what success looks like or feels like. In fact, it feels really painful in general prospecting because they don't really have uh, the, the skills and experience and support necessary to uh, really under- to uh, understand, um, you know, how to keep going. And so if you could, for that audience group, um, like a general feel for uh what would you recommend kind of like, what would success look like on a daily or weekly basis, just so they know that they're getting close to, um, you know, staying on track? Because it's not like you make one call and then you get one appointment right. and you feel great and there's an instant feedback loop. You know, it's it's it's, uh, it's, it's digging through. And so could you could you help those out there who, who haven't yet sure. made the connection between uh, pain and profit? Right. Yeah, I... I guess I would say what, you know, my objective is to have a listing appointment a day. So we want to have five listing appointments a week, and we want to eventually uh, convert three out of those five into a signed listing agreement um, that, you know, that'll sell. Um, I, I 
I think I, I get um, your question, and and tell me if um, if I'm missing the mark. But I think I, I understand that pain there, and getting on the phone, and the hesitation to pick it up and start dialing. Um, but I, you just have to do it, um, you know. And if you do it enough, and you do it consistently, and you start to see results, I think that starts to take some of the pain away. You know, when you walk away from, you know, closing a half million dollar house and, you know, you just got a check for, you know, 12 or 15 grand, um, you know, that goes a long way, I think, to alleviating most people's pain and, and you know, even potentially makes them eager to jump back on the phone. Um, I think some people making that kind of money on a single transaction causes them to um, kick back a little bit and, you know, not maybe put in the time that they need to, but I, I think the mistake that a lot of people make when they adopt that kind of mindset or mentality or attitude, whatever you want to call it, is that you've got to keep that pipeline full because, you know, you could have great success this week and, you know, make twelve or $15,000 on a single closing, but if you don't have anything in the pipeline, it's going to be a long time coming before that happens again. Um, so I, I think it's just um, maintaining it's it's consistent persistence. I think is, mm. is what it's about. You know, showing up every day and knowing that when you put the time in, you're going to have a full pipeline. You're going to have a lot, uh, plenty of work and, and plenty of um, commissions coming in. You said before, basically nine to noon every day, you have your prospecting time blocked off, whether it's you or, like you said, you have an ISA. And for those who are, are not familiar with the term ISA, I, uh, feel free to jump in if I don't nail this. But it's just basically an inside sales agent who does your prospecting calls for you, and they're trained to follow the scripts. And uh, they may or may not be a licensed agent. Um, and basically, just they help. They're your inside. They're, they're your inside appointment setters. Right. Exactly. Yep, that's that's pretty much it. And the way the way that we have it structured, um, so my ISA his name is Kelly. Um, he he's just there pounding on the phones really all day. Um, you know, he he works from eight o'clock in the morning, which is when he starts calling. He actually gets in a little bit earlier than that, so he starts dialing at eight o'clock, um, and then uh, he's on the phone until uh, three o'clock every day. Um, which is kind of rare. Um, <laughs> there's not a lot of people out there that can handle being on the phone all day like that. Um, but uh, that's that's what he does. And we do have a uh, a specific um, format that he follows each day. Um, but the other part of that too is I, you know, when he's doing his prospecting, I'm not just you know sitting around waiting for the commission checks to come in. Um, he really has the phone handled, so what I do is I'm actually door knocking in our farm area that we have um, are working, mm. and my assistant, she, she gets in, you know, just before 8, and then she puts together a drive list for me every mm. morning. She looks at any new FISBOs or expireds or Zillows, things like that, that come in new for the morning. And then mm -hmm. I'm actually out there door knocking uh, for my prospecting time from nine to noon. Um, wow! And he's here in the office on the phones. 
Boy, you just opened this conversation up to a whole new level. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, uh, we, we do things at, you know, pretty, uh, pretty intense level and, you know, the way that I do door knocking is, and, you know, part of the nice thing is that as soon as it expires or comes on as a FISBO, I'm there that day. Um, you know, it's, it's a new lead, so he's calling them, I'm knocking on their door. Um, and we're, we're trying to hit them every possible way that we can to connect with them before anybody else can, um, because oftentimes that's um, a distinguishing factor, you know, who contacts them first, you know, especially with expired as an example. I mean, those are the first leads that he calls every day, um, because if you're not among the first, you're <laughs> – you're probably going to lose out. I mean, a, a, a new expired lead here in our area can expect to get usually 30 to 40 calls that first day, sometimes even more. Um, so they're only going to set appointments with so many people. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, just kind of, a, I guess, a brief insight into our daily schedule. There. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I would, I'm sure not just myself, but those listening to this were like, can we please dive into that a little bit more? And I think we can maybe another time, but I really would like to uh, see where in the lead stacks for rent by owners pop into. And so I've got a couple of leading questions that I think will help uh, verbally visualize where that fits in there for us. And so um, mm -hmm. the, uh, and, and, I, and there are just a couple of questions, of course, I've always got questions before and after because <laughs> that's what I do, ask questions, um, about your day because I feel like uh, a big, huge component of what happens in real estate and success comes from establishing a rhythm both in and outside the office. And so um, would you mind going into, I would say, like, you know, you wake up in the morning, you know, you brush your teeth. You may or may not have, like, some people have motivational posters in the bathroom or they have, like, a right. mantra or affirmation, like, all the little details that no one can see. It's all inside of you, but you do, and you know that it's part of your, like, ritual, your routine, your practice before you really get out there. And so um, if you could yeah. just, you know, uh, as you can just walk yourself through the, the, the morning as you wake up and walk through the door, you get into your car, you go to the gym, you open the door to your office, so kind of each one of those little kind of milestones or mile markers along the way. If you could take us through those and what time mm -hmm. that happens and then anything that you do to help support um, in preparation of the actual prospecting. Sure. So, you know, when I, w I get up at uh, 5.30 every morning, um, the first thing that I do is I go to CrossFit. Um, <laughs> I try to go every single day. Some, sometimes I don't, but uh, generally speaking, I'm, I'm there every day at 6 o'clock to 7. You know, then I, I come home and uh, have my protein shake and get showered up and ready for the day and get dressed. And... Um, Really, I um, – and then I'm spending a little bit of time with my family in the morning because my kids are, you know, getting ready for school and my wife's kind of doing all that. So I help, uh, you know, making breakfast and yelling at them to brush their teeth and all that kind of stuff. So um, I, I get all that done, and uh, the last kid is out the door with my wife um, just after 8 o'clock at about quarter after 8 or so. 
by that time, I'm ready to go. I've, you know, eaten my breakfast. I've had a, you know, protein shake, whatever. And um, I'm, I'm dressed and ready to roll out the door. So um, my assistant... Do you wear, like, uh, jeans to work? Do you wear a suit to work? Do you, like, how do you, how do you dress for the day? Because everyone kind of has their own theories on... And that, that's kind of the internal state expressed uh, externally. So everyone has a different... Sure. Has, there's no right or wrong. It's just, what, what is it for you? Yeah, so I um, I wear a suit every day. Um, I used to wear a tie every day, but um, that's just not really um, in vogue, I guess, really, in, in my part of the world. So I'm just wearing, you know, suit jacket, pants, and, and a dress shirt um, is what I wear every day when I go out the door. And then, so, you know, like I said, by about quarter after eight, um, they're gone. I'm ready to go. Usually within um, the next 10 or 15 minutes, uh, depending on how many new leads there are for the day, um, my assistant is emailing me or texting me saying that your drive list is ready. Um, mm -hmm. I print it out at home. Um, and then um, I, I roll out the door. As soon as I've got that in hand, I'm, I'm just kind of chomping at the bit at that point, waiting for that list. And then, you know, I hop in the car. And, um, it, you know, when I'm driving around, I, again, I'm doing all different kinds of leads. Um, honestly, I'm just listening to the news. Um, that's how I kind of keep up with what's going on in the world, generally speaking. And then... Mm -hmm. um, you know, just driving from door to door and um, and doing that. And uh, another thing that I'll tell you is once I'm done with my prospecting time during the morning, um, mm -hmm. I generally yeah. how 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 long is uh how long is your door knocking session? Does it just co does it run concurrently with your uh, ISA's calling uh, prospecting? Mm -hmm. Like kind of just have a general block where everyone's kind of supporting prospecting, and you're just you're you're physically out there doing it, and he's on the phone. Yeah, yeah, we're we're running concurrently on that. Um, he, he has enough to keep him, you know, on the phones and, until the end of time. Um, but you know, at some some days I don't have that many doors to knock. Um, mm -hmm. I might only have five or six. Some days I have more, like thirty. Uh, so if it's a day where I don't have that many, and I get back to the office before noon, then I jump mm -hmm. into my follow-up calls that I need to do and, and work on that until, um, gotcha. you know, the middle part of the day. So with, uh, you know, you're a little different than the people we, uh, or I've, I've interviewed uh, recently, is that usually it's a solo, solo agent who's got a, a, who's got a, a lead stack and it's them working it, but it's like you've actually got, uh, like you said, a concurrent lead stack where it's, uh, Back in the office, and, uh, you said his name's Kelly, who's yep. going through expireds, then going through, what would be next for Kelly to do? Like, because uh, you've helped him organize that. It's not like he just showed up one day at work and um, he just knew what to do. And so you kind of knew through your own experience how to structure his uh, prospecting time. And so um, yeah. together now, you, you've probably got a great understanding of why that is the way it is. And so could you tell us what it is and why it is that way? Sure. So every day has really the same beginning part for him. Um, when he starts dialing at 8 o'clock, the first thing that he's doing um, is going through new expired leads. So 
So if it's Monday, that's like Friday through whatever popped in that day. He gets all the new expires. Um, after that, it is for sale by owners. After that, our Zillow making move leads. Uh, after that, um, are for rent by owners. And then after that are any pre-foreclosure leads. Um, and really, unless it's January 1st and we have 300 new expired leads, <laughs> he makes it through that, uh, that list of new leads really in about an hour, about the first hour of the day, mm -hmm. sometimes even less than that. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really the same every day, you know, that kind of hierarchy. The reason we do expires first is because those, um, like I mentioned before, seem to be the most heavily mined uh, lead source, and you've got to mm -hmm. you got to be there first, um, usually, to get anywhere with them. And then um, for sale by owners after that, because again, they're a heavily mined source, and um, getting to them as quickly as you can is important as well. Zillow's are kind of like make, uh, or like kind of like Fizbo's, so we have them next. And then the for rent by owners, um, we put uh, forth because they're not as urgent. If we get to them at 8.30 or 9 o'clock, it's not the end of the world because nobody else mm -hmm. is calling them anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and then after that are the How many of those are there a day in your area? A day? Um, God, I'd have to look. I don't even know off the top of my head. Um yeah, I'm not sure I can pull it up and find out real quick. But yeah, so while I'm doing that, we yeah. um like I said, that's that's how the beginning part of every day starts in terms of calling. And mm -hmm. then we have it broken down by particular day as to what's gonna follow after okay. that. Okay. Um and the way that we have that done is um on Mondays He's going to go through all the um, previous months for sale by owners, everything that's uh, you know popped mm. in the last 30 days that's still a FISBO. Um, and then after he goes through that first month, he goes back through the entire stack of uh, of FISBOs as far as he can. Some days he mm. makes it through our entire backlog, um, and then he's also sometimes I get I find for sale by owner sign leads. We put pop those in, um, and then Zillow leads. So he's going through all of those on Monday, or as deep as he can get mm -hmm. on those. Um, and we like Mondays because it's a depressing day for for sale by owners if they've previously been listed and they didn't get any showings or get under contract mm, over the weekend. Psychological so advantage. Like, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So how was your weekend? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Maybe there's something we can do to help. Yeah, yeah. Well, we got three properties under contract, so maybe we can do that for you next weekend. <laughs> yeah, so, Great. yeah. Let's see. I'm just looking at for rent by owners. We had, like, eight new ones today. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's probably, a, well, yeah, maybe three, four, five. Looks like a more typical day as I go back here. There are definitely a handful every day of those for rent by owners. So you get about 25 or 30 a week or about 100 a month. And so um, just to kind of get an idea, uh, like you said, there's it's a totally different temperament with them. It's not like you have to beat the rush 
and uh, have uh, an aggressive approach, uh, both in conversation and, I guess, in physical action towards doing the work of connecting with them. And so um, is, is it safe to say that you end up actually having better, more uh, rapport-establishing conversations as well as a higher connection rate with them? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, the, the calls um, on the for rent by owners typically tend to go, uh, you know, one of two ways. Um, usually we call and say, is that property, is 123 Main Street still available? And they say, yes, it is still available. Great. Mm -hmm. Well, my name is Zach. I'm a real estate agent at Keller Williams. I was just calling to see um, if you had considered selling. I wondered if the equity position was right in the property, if you might consider a sale as opposed to renting the property again. And that's mm -hmm. kind of our opening dialogue. And um, sometimes the response is angry. Why did you call me? Blah, blah, blah. We all, you know, some people are just offended, you know, for yeah. whatever reason, and that's fine. Um, but a lot of times people are really taken off guard and are very curious and it does start a discussion and then we start asking questions like, well, how many rental properties do you have? Do you want to keep having rental properties? You know, um, and then people tend to start opening up like, I've got 10 of them and I love the cash flow and this is what my retirement is and I don't want to sell any. You know, and that's totally understandable. Some people are like, man, this is just more than I thought it was going to be. Mm. Or I'm getting older and I want to cash out finally. Yeah, um, yeah. So it can go a bunch of different ways, but they do definitely seem to be much more willing to have a conversation um, a lot of times than, uh, you know, a for sale by owner or an expired who's gotten. 35 calls before yeah. you've, you've talked to them at 10 o'clock in the morning. You really just highlighted kind of the uh, the base of the next set of questions we're moving towards right now. Um, I do have a couple of other questions related to kind of like your day and your lead stack and uh, kind of what mm -hmm. that looks like. And so would you mind if we came back to filling in the details on this so we can finish up um, the last section that we were on? Yeah, yeah, sure. You want me to continue going through our daily kind of lead staff there? Yeah, I just thought you uh, you had left off with, uh, obviously, for rent by owners is in the fourth position. Uh, that, mm -hmm. you know, depending on how much other stuff had going on with the other leads ahead of time, you know, it just fits inside of your nine to noon block. And that's your ISA calling, please. Right, exactly, yeah. And, and then uh, I think you were also, you were going through Monday, you were doing... Uh, this type, you know, you had like kind of like each day had a, its own kind of theme to it, and so there was a modification. Like maybe the 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 order of the the lead type was the same, but I but mm -hmm. the criteria within that lead type changed on a day by day basis. Is that a a, a, yeah. a, a fair assessment of and a way to describe that? Well, really, what it is is the first chunk of, of calls is always the same. New expireds followed by new FISBOs, followed by new Zillows, followed by new for rent by owners, followed by new mm -hmm. pre foreclosures. So that's the same every day. Every day there's a, a, a section of new, right? Yeah. And, and it runs through all the lead types. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, and then, like I mentioned on Monday, it's after that, after the new stuff is done, it's all about FISBOs and Zillows. Um, and the same thing with Tuesday, really. Those first couple days of the week, we're just trying to get through the entire, uh, you know, last month of FISBOs and then the, and then all of them. Because a lot of, a lot of times, if they've been on the market for a while, you know, you can strike gold with them there. So, mm. anyway, that's, that's Monday and Tuesday. And then, uh, Wednesday, Again, same first part of the day, but uh, Wednesday is where we actually hit the uh, the for rent by owners um, and pre foreclosures. Pre foreclosures are pretty minimal right now, so we just try to go through that whole lead stack. And then uh, you, you said right now there, it's a, it's a per, uh, I kind of missed that. They're kind of what was the adjective uh, on pre foreclosures? There's just not many of them right now. Okay, pretty gotcha, minimal. gotcha. Description. Yeah. So yeah, the and then um, for rent by owners is the focus on Wednesday, and um, you know, kind of the same psychology between behind for sale by owners is that um, if we're hitting them hard on Wednesday, it's like they didn't get anything going on over the weekend. Maybe they have those first couple of, the, of days of the week for any applications to do you know, credit checks and background checks mm. and things like that, whatever mm. they may be doing. And then by Wednesday, it's like, man, they all are terrible, and I don't want to rent to any of these people. <laughs> um, and then they're yeah. kind of gearing up for the next weekend. <laughs> right, right. Because the weekends probably are a busy time for anybody who's renting something because the average person's working and uh, checking out properties on the, and, you know, in the evenings and then probably on the weekends making the big decisions. Yeah, yeah. That's great insight. And then that does that take you through the kind of the, the combinations within your lead stack? Wow, there's Thursday and Friday. Yeah, and then Thursday and Friday um, are all about expired. That last section of the day, last half mm -hmm. of the day, um, because again, you know, the psychology there is, you know, my listing expired and the weekend's coming up, maybe I should have my house for sale and I could get it sold this weekend. So we try to, um, you know, get in there as they're having those kind of thoughts running around in their head. Play into the natural conversation that's already occurring in your prospects and customers' mind. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's great. And then uh, I guess you guys eat lunch, right? You guys eat food. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, I usually, so Kelly usually gets through that first chunk of the day and then gets a good start on the second part of the day, uh, second part of the lead stack before, um, before noon. He's usually done with most of that actually, mm -hmm. um, before the middle of the day hits and then, um, picks it up and, and finishes it off the last part of the day. And, um, me personally, like I said, I'm out there door knocking all these lead types in our farm area. Um, and then, yeah. One is your day is, is your day uh, pretty consistent though? I mean, it sounds like Kelly's changes on a day to day basis, kind of based on the themes. But yours mm -hmm. are yours are always just the you're, you're the you're the ground troop slash new. Like if it's new, you're on the you're you're at the front door knocking. So you're just anything yeah. new, knock you. If it's new, you knock, and that's your and that's your primary duty every day from nine to twelve. 
Yeah, and, and we're actually, I'm pretty aggressive with door knocking. So I'm knocking news, but I'm also doing a lot of repeat. So um, my objective on, an, on any new lead uh, for door knocking is I'm knocking on the door three days in a row for the first three days, um, and then once a week for eight weeks after that. Um, and, you know, that's, that's our methodology to try to get in touch with people as soon as we can and, and beat the competition. Yeah. Uh, again, our focus is primarily and should be on for rent by owners, but you're just talking, like I said, you really took this conversation and opened it up to a lot of other stuff. And I, I'd hate to not answer a couple of just low-hanging fruit questions that come to mind. Is How did you come to that as the uh the matrix the you know the the one by one the two by two the whatever it is that mm -hmm. that that drives your your behavior every day and your and then obviously yeah. there's results i mean you wouldn't do it if there wasn't results tied to it so yeah so you can just do a quick little run through of this before we move on to really the 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 real next part of this which is the meat and potatoes of for rent by owners right yeah that um that follow-up uh, regime is really um, something that I learned from Keller Williams, which is where I've been since I've started my real estate career. It's, you know, it's really a sense of urgency um, when you have a new lead. I mean, that's that's something that can be snatched from you at any time. So to me, it's, you know, you've got to react quickly. So that's why it's once a day for three days to try to get to them because it's fresh. And then after that, it's the the mindset behind the uh, eight by eight. I call it once a week for eight week contact regime. Is that other people will give up sooner, and mm. it's usually on those later contact points where where you can strike gold if um, you know if they haven't been snapped up already. So uh, the the number eight just seems to be like. Um, like you just you see success in I guess in the internet world you'd like kind of a long tail keyword you know uh, Google long tail and so like just uh you can just say yes we don't have to get into much detail on it but um, I imagine extra extrapolating that you know fifth sixth seventh and eighth knocks um, that's where you've seen things really come up for you most people knock once kind of the same way most prospectors will only call once. Um, mm -hmm. you know, if you really want to see the results, you got to call three times. And it almost sounds like if you really want, and, and you're taking it beyond just even great results, uh, good results, the great results. And so I imagine that you've just, through your experience and time, that, uh, that number in, in those later stages past five knocks, um, is where you probably have some stories you could share on when you did that and something interesting happened and it turned into business that has kept you hooked on that succession of uh, number of knocks per home per lead yeah absolutely I have over six hundred thousand dollar listing coming up as a result of something like that so you have a six hundred thousand dollar listing because you knocked uh, on what knock did uh, uh, let's turn it into uh, let's turn it into uh, commission dollars per knock on that home there. so <laughs> right yeah I would say um, well, and here's the, I would say it's probably going to have been the fourth or the fifth one in, in that particular, maybe even the sixth on that one. Let's go mm -hmm. with six, I would say. So six knocks, $600,000. Let's say 
you know, you get the, the sell side. Um, and that's what, uh, 18,000 divided by six. So, uh, well, you know, $3,000 for knock. That's a pretty good number. Yeah, I'll, I'll knock all day long for that. <laughs> I like that. It's a knock, knock, knock. 3,000, knock, 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 6,000, knock, 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 getting closer. That's great. Okay, yeah, I just wanted to make sure that uh, I I understood and was able to uh, articulate for the audience at home listening this kind of like some of the things that were crossing my mind and so they could uh, establish the connection if they hadn't um, the the motivations and behind your actions and behaviors and so they could possibly model and decide if that's something they want to do themselves and incorporate. So mm-hmm. thanks for, sure. I got like, thanks for getting off course, you know, so we could uh, understand that. And so I'm going to just uh, jump back now into um, really the meat and potatoes here of uh, for ramp by owners. And uh, you firmly established that uh, it's the fourth lead type in your stack. Uh, you have Kelly, your ISA dialing. There are about 30-ish of them per week in your marketplace. Uh, they're a great source for potential investor opportunities, which means instead of establishing a relationship with one homeowner and selling one home every seven years, you possibly, like you said, establishing a relationship with uh, an investor who has hundreds of properties and could turn into a portfolio of business over time. And mm-hmm. um, I, I've kind of illuminated you through your, uh, your story to me, what, what the kind of the opportunity is. And so uh, I'd like to dive a little bit more um, as you had started off. I said, we come back. We're back at this part now. And um, to go into um, basically the, um, the story behind For Rent by Owners for you. Um, you know, uh, you, like you said, how did you find them? And yeah. uh, what, what was that aha moment where you made that connection? I know you've kind of gone into it a little bit. And then uh, what are some of the key things to understand, to know, and to do, uh, and the results that come from those? Sure. Um, Well, I guess I'll start by saying that uh, I was with a different lead provider um, back in the spring of last year, and um, I, you know, checked out, um, you know, a couple of different lead sources, and decided to switch to you guys, and then um, I think it was kind of in that initial month or two, um, really, where I was getting things set up and making the transition, and one of your sales reps actually um, said, what do you think about possibly adding on for sale by owners? And I, it caught me off guard a little bit. I'm like, what, what are you even talking about? <laughs> uh, uh, for um, sale or for, or for rent? Or for rent, I'm sorry, I said for sale. Um, but he, I, I, I think I knew what you meant, just making sure. Yeah, because I was adding, I, I basically had your full line of products, um, and adding in the for rent by owners wasn't much more, um, you know, so I figured why not, let's give it a shot. So I think the main thing I would say is just be, being open uh, to what's out there and listening. I mean, I'm I'm constantly looking at new ideas and what other people are doing, and you know, just being open and willing to try different things. So mm-hmm. um, that was how it started off, and then um, Kelly started for me. I want to say in uh, probably August or something like that, and then um, he came in and started taking over and. The rental market here is really strong, 
um, as well as the sales side market. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Does that hurt or help for rent by owner leads. Well, that definitely hurts because um, they get rented quickly and easily for the most mm-hmm. part. Um, but just like anything, it's it's numbers. You know, how many dials are you making? How consistently are you dialing? Um, and then following up with people. So I think it takes a little while to get that pipeline built up. But what we have started doing also, or what I started doing even right from the start was, oh, I already got that rented. Then I would say, well, do you have it rented for a year or six months or month Mm. to month? Mm-hmm. And then they tell me, and then I sort of follow up for a few months before the lease is up, um, mm-hmm. and we're going to have a plethora of people to call as we get here into the next, you know, few months because we're kind of coming up on that one-year mark. Um, so we'll see how that turns out. Um, but uh, there's a lot of different situations. We actually, the first for rent by owner that we closed, we actually closed last month. It was a $530,000 sales price, and um, he it was a, uh, a VRBO um, because he relocated for work, so he was just doing that and getting tired of that, needed to clear up the debt so he could buy something where he had moved to. So it wasn't your traditional kind of landlord that maybe owns a bunch of properties and that's his, his business. It was more of a change in circumstance which created mm-hmm. him to – to be running it, which is interesting because you do run into a lot of different um, kind of circumstances like that. Um, yeah. And our second second for rent by owner, we actually have under contract right now set to close, I think, in a couple of weeks. Um, we do have a number of others in the pipeline. Um, so that's kind of just a brief, like, start to finish, I guess I would say, yeah. or start to current. I'm I'm trying to uh, create the right question to ask you because you're heading down the path and uh, had to finish up that uh, one of the other sections that we're, we're trying to get clarity on, and um, maybe this represents the the, the path that um, I think I was feeling you kind of taking us down, which was something along the lines of um, you know you, you've got a uh, for rent by owner lead. And there's going to be a number of different, um, I guess, opportunities or signs to pay attention to, pay attention to in what they say, or to ask and to know. And so, um, like you said, um, walk us through, you know, kind of those those trigger, the, the, those those, I guess, call them prospect characteristics like what makes them into a prospect you know i mean they're a lead which is just the uh, you know someone's name someone's information you don't really have the story on them and so how do you trans how, how do you identify the different how do you transform or identify like what a, a, a for rent by owner prospect actually looks and sounds like mm-hmm. yeah um i i think i would say it's pretty basic. It's just like every other lead type. It's really trying to understand uh, what their motivation is and and what their needs are. So with a for rent by owner, you know, kind of one of the probing questions after you get beyond that sort of initial introduction is, um, do you have more rental properties? Um, A lot of people own a single rental property out of 
just circumstances and they're not really it's not their primary thing or a business that they're running and it's not yeah. necessarily something they're totally jazzed about to be doing <laughs> um so i think asking you know what what are your plans you can are you planning on holding on to this property for a long time mm -hmm. did you have an exit strategy when you brought that bought this property mm -hmm. um and really asking some more of those probing questions to assess why they even have the property in the first place. Do they even mm -hmm. have an exit strategy? Do they even think about it beyond just picking it up and holding on to it forever? Um, so I guess what I would say are some of the key things are like, well, you know, I rented it because I couldn't sell it. That's a huge, obviously, kind of red flag. Um, why couldn't you sell it then is the next obvious question. Was the market mm -hmm. down when you tried to sell? Was it two years ago and the values are much higher now? Um, so it's, you know, to me, the the primary question is, um, why are you renting the property? Um, yeah. You'll you get some of these people that, like I said, own a dozen properties and that's what they do. That's their income and their livelihood. Um, but then it, it starts to become a conversation of, well, what is your exit strategy for that? Mm -hmm. Are you going to pass it on to, do you have heirs? Do they even want to have rental properties? Or is it time mm -hmm. to start cashing out? Mm -hmm. um, one of the main conversations that we have with people, too, around for rent by owners is capital gains. So mm -hmm. um, if you have... Uh, if you haven't lived in the property for a long time, you have to have lived in a property for two out of the last five years in mm -hmm. order to uh, call it, in order to avoid capital gains tax. And I'm, I'm not trying to give tax advice, um, but um, that's the rule, generally speaking. I always tell people it depends on your tax situation, but um, I think that's an important discussion to have with people. We've I have short-circuited sales that way, but um, it's it's a significant tax consequence. And the last thing you want is to sell somebody's rental property and then they get a $30,000 additional tax consequence um, the next calendar year and call you screaming about it. So um, it's important to take that into consideration. Mm -hmm. And most of them are aware of that and know that whole thing. But when you can start having that kind of conversation with people and then start talking to them about 1031 exchanges, um, that's where you can all, obviously that's potential for more revenue because if they want to sell this underperforming rental property and leverage it into uh, something that cash flows better like a duplex or a three or four unit, then you've got a buy side there as well as the sell side. Um, I think I, I think through what you shared with me gave me even more clarity to ask this next question. I think it zeroes in on um, where where that that those uh, those those uh, pearls, golden nuggets, or I, not, what? How to describe it is not important. What's important is I guess the uh, this next question, which is like, um, what what are, what are what are the what are the um, who are the like the opportunities, right? So there are people who are looking to. Um, how would you break down the categories of opportunities within the for rent by owners? And so there are the people who are, you know, in the position of, like you said, um, they they bought it, they wanted to sell it, 
they couldn't, they're renting, and now there's like, uh, and, and they're frustrated by, um, you know, having, you know, managing a property and things are falling apart and you call them at the right time and strategically or follow up with them strategically and then, you know, you insert yourself into like the larger conversation. There are people who are, mm-hmm. you know, investors and they're starting to, uh, look to, uh, move their assets, their, their capital into other assets and so you would, you know, like what are kind of the different, uh, scenarios or personas? I'm yeah. trying to like maybe capture like the, the different blocks you know, you get what I'm getting at, right. like the opportunity blocks. What do those look like, and how many of them are there in general? I would say, generally speaking, there's three. There's there's the people that have it more through circumstance and would rather sell it than hang on to it as a rental. Um, mm-hmm. There are the next category are your die-hard sort of active investors who, if they did sell it, would be looking to 1031 into something else that – Mm-hmm. better cash flow situation. Um, and then you have the investors that are more toward the end where they're looking to liquidate and cash out, um, you know, but have a hard time kind of stomaching the, the fact that they're going to have to pay capital gains mm-hmm. um, is usually the conversation there. But I would say it's those three uh, categories tend to be the majority of the conversations that you'll have. You know, I think that yeah, you set up the the call to perfectly transition to the next section because the word I think you used or you did use is uh, conversations. And so, in the preparation before you get ready to, uh, or as Kelly gets ready to get on these calls, you know, he's 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 made all you, you've helped set him up for success, and he's having conversations. I'm sure you hear about them and you're a part of them, and so. Could you give us a little role play of like what each one of those sounds like and how you manage objections or you uh, further the conversation with those three different types? And so those who are listening at home can get a, a feel for not only have you now identified and illuminated these three different types of people, but now giving us an example of kind of what to say, how to say it, and then what to do in those circumstances uh, when things are, are going to go in the right direction or not. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, so I guess with the first category, um, you know, it's if you're getting into that conversation and it's like, well, you know, we owned it and or we own it and we tried to sell it but couldn't get what we want, um, you know, my question tends to be, or Kelly's, is um, how much were you looking to get? Is there a certain amount that you wanted to net or a certain sales price that you wanted mm-hmm. on the property? and if so, why is that significant to you? What what does that mean? What will that help you accomplish? Um, and then, you know, really just kind of digging into that more. Um, uh, and then ultimately kind of the, the conclusion of the conversation with them is typically, um, well, let's go ahead and, and meet over there at the property. If you are thinking about selling, I'd love a chance mm-hmm. to stop by and take a look at it and give you my thoughts on what you could get for the property in today's mm-hmm. market. Um, and then, you know, the, the whole objective with all of them, as with every lead, is to get a face-to-face appointment and, and check the property out um, for mm-hmm. me. So that's that's how those usually go if they're successful. Um, if they're not, um, those ones are, are typically – you know, they got it rented already or they have a bunch of people coming to look at it. Um, mm-hmm. 
or they're just decided that they want to rent it now because everything's been going great. Um, so kind of the way that we we go around with when the conversation turns that way is um, uh, if they say, well, I've got a bunch of people coming this weekend to look at it and I think I'm going to get it rented. Well, that's great. You know, I, I hope you do. I hope that works out for you. Would it be okay if I follow up with you next week to see how, mm -hmm. how things go mm -hmm. after the weekend? And it's that persistence, you know, polite, persistent, um, mm -hmm. I like consistently that. that'll get you there. Um, and then, you know, reminding them, hey, you know, we talked last week. How'd it go this weekend? Oh, I didn't get any anybody that I liked. Well, would it be a good time to meet this week? I can come tell you what we could get for in a sale kind of thing. Um, you know, if people want to continue renting it, it's kind of the other way that it goes sometimes. Um, I How like do you know, uh, sure. like you, the way you have, like, your, your eight knocks for new – uh, mm -hmm. new lead, I guess, doesn't matter really what it's for sale by owner expired. Um, how do you right. know how many times to call back, uh, with the for rent by owner after they're struggling to try to get it rented? Like, how do you determine how many callbacks? I mean, I'm pretty sure there's not like a set number, but there is great. Right. Uh, but how do you like evaluate like your, your follow up on, uh, those? I'm renting it and then you're waiting for them just to kind of get disgruntled and discouraged. Well, I like to get a kind of a timeline from them. They say, you know, I'm going to give it another month, and if I can't get it rented in another month, I'll think about selling it then. What we do with that is we always chop it in half, whatever they say. If it's a month, we're going to call them in two weeks because inevitably people make decisions sooner than what they're, they're selling <laughs> on. So um, that's our follow-up regime, just cut in half whatever they say sort of follow-up for that time. I love this and then, Yeah. When we are, when we do follow up, let's say it is two weeks later and I call them and nobody answers and I leave a message. Well, what we do at that point is we initiate our three-by-three. Three. So once a day mm -hmm. for three days, if we don't hear from them, then once a week for eight weeks after that. Um, so we implement that three-by-three three and eight-by-eight. Eight. Kind of we restart that. Every time there's, you know, uh, you know, we need to start following up with again, you know, getting in contact with them. And what we like to do too is vary those contacts. So mm -hmm. on that three by three, we'll call today, we'll text tomorrow, we'll call again the third day, we'll text. We alternate between calls and texts. Mm -hmm. uh, my question to you is, and that's that was that's, I didn't I did not. I didn't. I was not going to guess that your your alternation was going to be uh, on the medium selection. Rather, I thought it was going to be on the day. So um, I'm glad that uh, my mind was, um, you know, given something new to process there. But yeah. how do you keep track? Like very super tactical here is. Uh, so you've got your own like uh, you've got your own approaches, strategies, tactics that you've seen work, and there's it's usually some sort of matrix of something by something. And so how do you keep track of that? How do you know, like, for instance, uh, like, how do you manage, how do you manage the campaign, or how do you manage or know what to do when? And so you have a for rent by owner, you call them, you speak to them, and then uh, they tell you a month. Like, how do you take that information, how do you put it into somewhere where you know what to do next, 
and then keep track of what those next subsequent actions are? How do you, how do you keep track of that on a, on a per lead basis without having so much, without being distracted or things getting lost? Yeah. Well, we're, we're just very detail-orientated, so we don't, you know, get off the call or close the profile until we've dispositioned it correctly, and we keep very detailed notes. Like, Kelly will see my notes like, you know, door knock two of three today, you know, and then mm. tomorrow, door knock three of three, and I'll see his, you know, LM one of three, and then the next mm. day, LM two of three or whatever it is. So we keep very detailed notes, and then we're always setting a next task. That's really important. We don't close out a file or close out a profile until there's another task set or unless it is truly a dead lead that, that we're not going to be contacting again. Um, so, you That'd know. That'd be interesting to and, ask uh, next. Um, yeah. So where are you dispositioning them? Is it in like uh, Excel? Or are you doing it inside of uh, some sort of CRM? Uh, what is uh, where's where's this data? All these notes and dispositioning yeah. happening. Um, well, we have a dialer. Um, I don't know if you want me to if I'm supposed to say what dialer, but no, no, a, please. Uh, we we want people to yeah. use dialers. We whether it's our dialer or someone's dialer, we want our customers to use yeah. dialers because it makes the business better and makes their experience of our products better and it makes them more successful. Yeah. So, yeah. So we use, we get all of our leads from you guys from Red X and then we feed them all into a uh, Mojo, um, which has a four line dialing system and Kelly uses four line dialing every day, all the time. And that's Mojo is where we're, um, you know, setting new tasks and setting follow-up calls and setting appointments, and we all have access to that. And, um, you know, Krista, my assistant, uses that to set up door knocks, and she does some snail mail campaigns, and um, I can see what Kelly's got, he can see what I've got, and all that kind of thing. So it's all mm. all very organized and on a, on a per-profile uh, basis. Okay, great. Yeah, that's fine. We... Uh... You know, we want our we want our customers to have uh, the the information they need to make the right decisions for them. And uh, there are instances where we're we're the best, and they choose us. And there are instances where, uh, based on where they are and what their needs, uh, there's there's some other solution that's better for them. And so, um, you know, our success comes from um, making sure that we give the right people the right things, and not just you know sell them stuff. Sure. So that's great to know. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's an important aspect of it is, you know, we can give everyone these tactics and these strategies and, you know, operationalizing them is a little bit more difficult because, okay, great, I got the idea. Mm, now what? So thank you for sharing mm -hmm. that. Sure. Um, so, yeah, you were you were also just about to – you talked about dead leads. I think that might be just a kind of a, a good thing is when to quit. Why, when, when do you quit working? Um, and so of the, of the one of three – uh, we'll call them uh, Furbo uh, prospect types. Um, right. You've got the person who's who's renting and doing a great job, or feels like the uh, enthusiastic uh, owner slash renter. We'll give him that title, and uh, you're waiting for the market to wear them down. Uh, you've got your three by three, and you're, you're implementing it. You've got that time they tell you to cut it in half. And so, at what point in time is uh, is it time to say this is not worth putting any more energy? into like how do you determine that for this new type yeah well obviously uh, for this, i'm sorry for they, this furbo for this furbo prospect type yeah for that lead type um 
obviously if they tell us they got it rented, um, <laughs> it's, right. it's time to quit. Um, but then we want to see when the lease goes through so that we can follow up with them a few months prior to the end of the next lease. Um, so that's at one so that could be a really horrible process for them is they might have just a, a terrible tenant, something in their life could change uh, yeah. financially, personally, however life changes things. And so uh, that that is unexpected. <laughs> Did you hear that? Okay, well, sounds like uh, someone's having a party down the way. I did not know we had such loud speakers here. But, yeah, life can change for people. And um, – and then, so you're just making sure you got something that in, that last bit of information, so you can follow up and see if uh, an opportunity has represented itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Other than that, the only, I mean, if people tell us to stop calling them because they're angry mm-hmm. that we're calling them or whatever, obviously we don't want to talk to people if if we've annoyed them or angered them or whatever. So we we mark them dead at that point. Um, other than that, I'll I'll follow up with people until the end of time. Um, you know, if somebody keeps putting me off and says, "Oh, call me at this time or that time or whatever," I, I've had leads that have dragged on for years, um, and I always reset my three by three and eight by eight. So if they say, "You know, call me in six months," um, I'll mm-hmm. call them in three months and with a mm-hmm. three by three and an eight by eight. And then if I get in touch with them on six or seven of eight and they say, call me again in six months, mm-hmm. I'll just, I'll keep doing that, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and that's Kelly, going. Kelly on the uh, three by three and that's you on the eight by eight. That, that just kind of, uh, as far as positions being placed. Yeah, that's both of us. Um, that's just our follow up regime is three by three and eight by eight, be it a call mm-hmm. or a door knock. That's great. Great, great, great information. Yeah, um, I don't think there's anything that came to mind else for me on that. Um, yeah, just in, per, in perpetuity, and I think uh, there's a principle by one of uh, the great, I guess, marketing principle people out there, uh, uh, the guy who wrote the book, uh, Influence, the Science Behind Persuasion, and uh, one of the key elements of, I think, six or eight of them is uh, commitment and consistency. That's how you build uh, influence with people, and so... Commitment to doing it and consistently showing up. Um, and it's not like you're putting in a ton of time. It's, you know, a little bit here and a little bit there, you know, and so it doesn't sound like it's a, a burdensome amount to keep resetting that because you're, uh, in some ways, I guess, building your reputation with that person as someone who follows up and follows through because eventually something's going to change in their life. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're doing great here. We're coming close to the end of, uh, the time we've put together. In fact, we've gone over it. Um, but, uh, I appreciate you spending the extra time right now to, uh, make sure we get, uh, through the, through the, from the top down to the bottom of things here. And that we really only have, uh, two more of those, uh, Furbo customer types to kind of talk about what they look like and how you handle them. And, um, I'm sure we're going to hear some similar things, but just, uh, in a little bit different way. And then finally, as we get to the last part of things, I would like to give those who, uh, who've been excited by and or, or, or intrigued, any one of the two, curious to learn a little bit more about Furbos, uh, to give them the option to uh, understand uh, where they can go and what they can do, whether it's they do it on their own and what you would recommend on getting Furbo leads, um, the different places, 
and then um, you know how what your research and your energy um, into that um, compares with our product and to kind of just give people options and choices of what to look for, how to do it, and uh, give them everything they need to uh, make a decision on whether or not it's something that's right for them. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, yeah, if we could just jump into that uh, next uh, Furbo customer uh, prospect type, number two. Yeah, so the, the next one is the um, the active investor who wants something that's, you know, better cash flow opportunity maybe and is going to do a 1031 exchange with the money. And, you know, then you just, you know, at that point it's, um, you know, in this market it's very competitive for buyers, so it's really trying to assure them that you can help them with that, you can find something, you can always make an offer on something contingent on the, sale of this property and especially when you get into multiple units it's the market tends to be a little slower and less competitive than it is for single families and condos and townhomes so you know that's usually the discussion I'm having with those people um, a lot of times it's also about um, what would the cash flow situation look like on some of these other properties so you really have to kind of get into the weeds on, on some of those things. And some people, it's it's much easier than others. Some people are only maybe cash flowing a couple hundred dollars a month. And if you can show them an opportunity where they can cash flow 800 or or $1,000 a month, obviously, you know, that um, that makes a lot of sense to them. And, you know, these kind of people are very numbers-orientated. This is not typically an emotional sale or an emotional buy. It's just numbers and it's what works and what doesn't work so um, it, it can actually be kind of for me I find a refreshing uh, change of pace um, from dealing with retail buyers that are you know can, can be um, kind of emotional sometimes yeah it's the difference so, in dealing with uh, you know people and professionals and just kind of like Right. You know, you're dealing with uh, the business, like the people who are business-minded versus people who are driven by the, the normal uh, uh, the, the, uh, the normal frailties of, uh, of uh, human existence. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you really do have to know your stuff when you're talking to these people because, you know, especially if you're newer, you definitely want to educate yourself on – uh, you know, things like cap rates and cash flow and ROI, return on investment. and you know, Where can someone go to learn things. these things? Because that's a, immediately just shoots out of my mouth. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's a great thing to do for continuing education. I know in our state um, we have continuing education requirements, so just finding a class through a provider I think is the best best way to accomplish I'm sure there's would they look under like commercial or investors or like what would be the uh, what would be like a title that you would google or search or class that would appeal to you that you think mm -hmm. would have the uh, the knowledge necessary to take advantage of this uh, second uh, class of uh, verbal prospects yeah maybe something like language of investors or um, working with real estate investors or something like that would probably be a good thing to, to Google or a good heading to look for on class. Yeah, there are some books out there, too, that would probably fill people in. Yeah, yeah. Plenty of YouTube always seems to work as well. 
And so uh, yeah. before we move to the third and <laughs> before we move to the third and final one, uh, could you just kind of maybe do a little like uh, maybe like a little what we call it, like a little not role play, but a, a little like a mock call session and kind of take us through like someone what the conversation would sound like when you get one of these people on the phone and so how you would establish your rapport and how you would ask those questions. And so that way you could insert yourself into, uh, you know, getting into that side of the, uh, the business. Yeah. I think with those people, some key questions are how long have you owned the property? Um, and then how long has it been a rental property for you? Because they'll know that you're starting to angle toward that two out of the last five years um, and probably uh, understand that you're trying to suss out if there are going to be a capital gains tax consequence or not on the property. And you can even straight out ask them, are you planning on 1030? I mean, if you just flat out ask them, are you going to 1031 the money or are you cashing out and, you know, planning on potentially having a capital gains consequence? tax consequence on this. Um, a statement like that would probably establish a little bit of credibility and rapport um, that most real estate agents, you know, especially newer ones, aren't really going to think to ask those kind of questions necessarily because they're just going for the sale and, you know, have their own self-interest in mind. And, you know, one of the things we always hear at, at Keller Williams, not to, to toot, that horn um, too much, but um, it's always coming from a place of contribution for people. You know, if you if we can get you a fantastic price on the property, that's great for you and for me. But let's dig a little bit deeper. Are are you going to have some huge tax consequence that you're not aware of, and maybe holding on to it is a better option as opposed to selling it? Um, and I, I think people really pick up on that and. Um, you gain people's respect when they see that you're more concerned about their interests than your own. I mean, that feels like the right thing in any any circumstance when anybody's putting pressure. You can feel if they're coming from their own interests or if they're trying to understand yours and align theirs with yours. Right. Yeah. That's a great approach. Um, and so, like, before uh, – yeah, let's move on to that final class. Um, you know, help us understand the, the third kind of mean for rent by owner um, prospect opportunity. So those ones are the ones who do want to cash out typically, um, and their kids maybe don't want to take over the rental properties. Um, and they don't have anybody to kind of pass that along to. So, um, again, I think, you know, looking at, at their um, self-interest, it's like, well, how many properties do you have? Um, do we want to? Do you want to actually sell them all at once and have this massive tax, uh, capital gains tax consequence all in one tax year, or is it maybe wiser to spread it out and sell maybe one or two properties a year and kind of slowly eat that whale, so to speak, of, mm -hmm. of uh, capital gains tax? Um, so that's oftentimes a conversation that. We have with people that own multiple properties, which tends to be the case when they're sort of in that end phase of wanting to cash out. Mm -hmm. um, you know, sometimes it's just one or two that they own, and they just have a real difficulty with, um, <laughs> with uh, you know, coughing that 
that kind of um, tax payment up. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just a conversation around, you know, do you even though there's a even though there's an equitable gain, the tax consequences, yeah, just they they separate the well, two and they just yeah. And, and what I what I what we found a lot is that yeah, if they're going to say just for round numbers, get a hundred thousand dollars after they sell the property and and all the commissions and closing costs are paid and they have to pay 30000 of that in taxes, you're right, they're still going to walk away with 70000 So that's where we try to steer the conversation. It's like, um, you know, I understand you're going to have to pay a tax, but it, it's not like it's coming out of your pocket necessarily. It's coming mm-hmm. out of the equity in the property that's been building up. Um, mm-hmm. And I always suggest people talk to their accountant to really – get a clear understanding of what that consequence is going to be for their particular situation because ultimately at the end of the day we don't really know what kind of consequence there's going to be. I mean, your right. account's the best one to talk to about that. Do you ever bring in any sort of outside advisors or support or um, like how to, um, I mean, that, that, I guess that might be something to consider just to help move the process towards um, a successful resolution for both you guys. Well, I, I think it's um, I think it's important to have a good accountant, and I, I have a great referral source for that. And you know, he moves quickly, and I follow up with him. And you know, I, I think you know everybody should have a good accountant. But um, yeah, I, I think that's the best person that they can talk to, and it's important that you have somebody if they don't have someone. Obviously, you don't want them going to like you know, just some chain tax shop that doesn't know their particular situation. And right, most right. people have an accountant that they've had a relationship with for, um, you know, some length of time typically. But, um, again, I, I think it's just a matter of follow-up. You know, if you, you say, hey, if they want to know what their tax consequence is, obviously we can't really tell them that. But, you know, it's following up. Well, I'll call them and talk to my accountant this weekend. We'll follow up with them on Monday or Tuesday. How'd that conversation go with your accountant? You know, how does everything look? And then just continuing that follow-up until, you know, they, they've they had that conversation and, and make a decision. You know, I guess that's a, a little secret that uh, makes a lot of sense. Is It's kind of a roadblock or a bottleneck, and until you get that, you know, your job is constantly to uh, highlight the opportunities, to mitigate the negativities or uh, liabilities, and uh, all the while making sure that either you're following up with them to make sure the situation hasn't changed or following up with them to make sure that they've acquired the right information so that they can move forward. And uh, people, uh, you know, people, I think one, I think one thing agents are really afraid of is being seen as a pest. And uh, it almost sounds like, you know, that could be someone's mindset in that, but it's almost like you're doing them a service and coming from that place of contribution. And I think that might be the, the mental shift necessary in order for um, someone to have that follow-up mindset, feel like it's coming from contribution and not um, being a, uh, a pest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, thanks for walking through that with us. Um, and I have just one last set of questions here really to go through as we come towards the end of this, which really goes into, um, you know, the again, there are 
probably a good number of people listening to this right now, uh, and they're saying to myself, themselves, you know, I, I think this is something I'd like to try, and it sounds like it's a good opportunity to both generate some near-term business, but also really plant the seeds for some longer-term consistent business, which it sounds like, you know, you've done that, and now you're starting to feel uh, those closings come in, and um, the uh, the value of the, the real long-tail, long-game um, come mm-hmm. to pass, and that, uh, you know, if you had to, if, if, if Red X didn't exist, uh, or at least we didn't offer our for rent by owner um, lead service, where would you go to get these leads? Well, where, where would you look? Where would someone who's you know maybe wants to do it on their own at first and kind of try to call these without having to subscribe to our service or get involved on that level? Mm-hmm. Um, where could they go? What would they have to do in order to get those leads? Well, I mean, I, I think you could have a title company pull a list of absentee owners if you're looking at a particular area or zip code or something like that, just, you know, addresses that have off-site uh, tax mailing addresses. That should be a pretty simple thing for any title company to do. And then you'd have to either knock on the door of the of the tax address or mm-hmm. um, have some kind of service where you could run through uh, a list and, and try to get phone numbers matched to it, which I know that there's those kind of things out there. Yeah, and uh, I'm just trying to understand, uh, like, how, how difficult is that or how time-consuming is that? I mean, what would you say, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, would it, would it still be worth it to, to do if, uh, you know, if our – you know, we didn't make it so easy for uh, you just to kind of press a button and get those things. Like, how much how much yeah. time would it take to get thirty? How much time would it take for you to procure, clear, clean, call, confirm, whatever the the, the right words are there to to make those uh, for rent by owner uh, leads actionable? You know, I I don't think that I would spend the time doing that. Um, because, you know, I think the rate of return on for rent by owners is um, about uh, on par with FISBOs and expireds. I think it's about, you know, 5%. So if you're calling 100 or door knocking 100, mm-hmm. and it may be even slightly less than that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, door knocking on 100 doors to get four appointments and then two, you know, listings, I mean, that's, and who knows how many times you'd have to knock on the door to actually get somebody to answer or be at home. Um, but I, yeah, I, I don't think I would. I don't think I would do that if um, if I uh, didn't just have the service the way that it is right now. I mean, the the price that you pay is pales in comparison to the return. I think. Yeah, I, some agents have uh, plenty of money to uh, spend on things and other agents are skeptical and also and or on a very limited budget. And so I just wanted to present to them the opportunity. If the opportunity was worth uh, pursuing to doing it on their own, but it sounds like, you know, if this sounds like, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong here, it sounds like um, if you see the opportunity in this, um, it's, it's, it's most really only worth pursuing given all the other opportunities out there if if you just have it done for you and provided to you. Yeah, I don't I don't think the uh I don't think the time that you'd have to commit if you were knocking on doors uh would 
it, it would, wouldn't be worthwhile, I don't think, at least for me. I mean, maybe if you're just getting started um, and you don't have anything else to do, it might make sense. Okay. Well, yeah, thanks for uh, giving us a little bit more insight insight into that. And um, I guess I just only have a, a couple more questions here. Is um, Maybe related back to earlier in our call, uh, I made a note here to kind of catch up with you on this at the end here. Is we talked about uh, committing to a certain amount of pain to enjoy a certain amount of profit. And I guess maybe one thing that I thought would be interesting to revisit here in general, not necessarily about for rent by owners, but overall just prospecting in general is, um, is there a certain amount of time you think someone who's new to prospecting, uh, even if season agents out here all of a sudden decide prospecting is what they want to do because it provides a uh, consistent and predictable way to generate business, and um, it, but the pain sometimes is, like we said before, um, above and beyond, you know, what they're initially expecting. And so how much time would you recommend, a uh, whether it's a new agent slash new prospector or a season, seasoned agent? seasoned agent slash new prospector commit to just getting and doing it uh, for how long? What's that kind of like that commitment to prospecting? For um, for, for rent by owner specifically? Uh, no, just in general, I would say. I mean, like you said, uh, the return is about the same on all of them. You know, you're going to get a 5% re response slash return. And so um, just overall on a lead stack, no matter how, how they organize it, um, just, um, you know, Commit to prospecting for how long? That way you can break through uh, those initial um, call reluctance and, um, you know, not seeing the, yeah. the return on, on things. Well, I mean, I think prospecting is an ongoing, never-ending thing, which may be depressing mm -hmm. for some people to hear, but that's mm -hmm. the, the facts. <laughs> um, I, I would say before you start to see some initial success with, for rent by owners or any other lead type, I, I mean, I think you have to give it a good solid three months before um, you can really expect to see much because you're going to be nervous. You're not going to say the right things, and it takes a lot of repetition to get comfortable and, and understand the kind of conversations that you're going to have with people. And, you know, I... A saying that I've I've heard and I really take to heart is the people that fail the most are also the people that succeed the most. So, <laughs> you know, the the more times you screw up um, a conversation with a for rent by owner because you don't know what a 1031 is or uh, you don't know what cash flow is or cap rates and things like that, you're going to learn pretty quick if uh, if you want to be successful. You're going to learn what you don't know and you're going to take action to figure that out, it sounds like. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great way to look at it as opposed to failing. Uh, it's really uh, kind of a, an indoctrination period of time where you just have to figure out what you don't know and this is your chance to learn it. And the best way to learn it is to get out there and uh, let it let it come to you and then you can go seek it, seek the knowledge that is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I would agree with that. you got to, you know, skin your knee a couple of times. <laughs> Absolutely. So I've got one last question, and uh, I would say it's a little biased because you know, obviously you're enjoying the fruits of your labor, and you've gone and pushed through this. Uh, you've skinned your knees, and now you're seeing how nice um, for sale by owners. I'm sorry, for rent by owners are providing for you. 
And so what advice would you have for agents who are considering for rent by owners? What, what, what advice would you say um, is necessary for them to uh, feel successful, get successful, or just get started? What would you, what would you tell them? I, I would, I think it kind of goes back to just being open to trying new things and, um, you know, seeing if it's a good fit for you. You have to, I don't think you can make any prejudgments on anything too quickly. Um, you know, try it for a while and if, if it's working out for you after a few months, then, then keep going. If it's not, maybe you need to change a script or you need to learn more about it. But ultimately, at the end of the day, if you want to be successful at something you, you can't quit um, you know that's that's definitely a trait that I have if I decide that I'm going to do something I'm not going to stop no matter what until it gets done and I think you know just adopting that mindset and and having and truly believing it and and having that uh, is important you, you can't quit because the only way to win is to not quit and to keep getting up you know, the people that are successful in this business get told no more than than anybody else. Um, and there's, you know, there is pain and heartbreak along the way, but, you know, if you're closing a few million dollars uh, a month in volume and, you know, making thirty, forty thousand a month um, because you stuck with it for two painful years, then, you know, I think that's worth it. You know, so I, I think you've got to decide, um you know, what you want and, and get it. I think you just summed up success in general in prospecting. And uh, just, no, seriously, I think that is as is, is clearly as you could put it. And uh, just it's the mindset. It's the opportunity. It's the ability to see opportunity through the pain and to stick with it when it hurts because at some point in time, uh, everyone else is going to give up, which I'm pretty sure you've seen a number of times. And uh, in the end, you know, you're going to be there on that fifth knock or that third call or that eighth knock. And, you know, a nice uh, a nice chunk of change is going to come your way because uh, you continued where other people's um, other people stopped. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, we went a little over on our time. I'm pretty sure you're aware of that. But uh, I do appreciate, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, you just continuing to stay uh engaged and to provide value and to share what you know and to help increase not just my knowledge because I really enjoy understanding the uh, the nuances of what makes someone successful in prospecting, but of course, even more importantly, uh, the Red X prospecting community and that, um, you know, I'm sure that uh, down the road, if not, if not also in the near future, uh, you know, you and I are going to get a chance to chat again and uh, pick up on what your next success is on. So uh, I look forward to that. And uh, thank you so much for taking the time to just give us this much value on something that uh, most people, it's obscure and never would have known otherwise. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy to do it. So uh, thank you very much, and uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be talking again soon, and uh, have a good rest of the day. Okay, thanks so much. You too.